God, this is, this is even harder this episode. Man, okay. Abide by the buzzer. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's not. No, you're joking. No, that's it's, really it's true. Surreal. There's a folklore about a bear with giant balls that are magic. Hey, Toy Family! Welcome to another Minnesota edition of Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. I'm George Gaspar. All right, guys, this is our second mini episode, and we heard some feedback from the first one. It seems like majority of people really liked the new format. They liked that it was shorter, and we covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. But we also heard from several people that thought maybe three minutes was a little too short because I guess there was a few uh, topics that we would buzz someone in the middle of their thought. So maybe we should try bumping it up to five minutes. But also a listener suggested that maybe we also throw in a new twist to this segment or this mini where we each get the chance to buzz in if we didn't get to finish our thoughts. So if you were in the middle of a topic and need more time, you can buzz in once per episode and extend the topic by an additional one minute to finish your thought. So like if you're really feeling it, why don't we do three minutes with the option to go to five if that's a good topic? Because I felt like we were pretty much done after three minutes on a few topics. I agree. Let's stick with, let's stick with three. If we need to go to five, we can. And then the option to go to six if we need to. Sounds good. Okay. Done. I like it. <laughs> I agree, George. I liked it. It kind of forced us to be quick and get our stuff out and move on. Okay. I yeah, I think, and I think we were done with most topics at three minutes anyway. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so here's what we'll do. So we'll do three, and if someone decides that they need more time to finish a thought, then we'll just buzz in, say extra time, and we'll give you an extra two minutes to finish out your thought. How about that? Oh, it just bumped up to two minutes. <laughs> well, you said we're going from three to five, right? Yeah. Okay. So if someone buzzes in and needs extra time, they'll get an extra two minutes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. All right, good. Okay, so before we get going, let's just take a brief moment to mention our sponsor of the mini-sodes of Marsham Toy Hour, and that is My Plastic Heart. My Plastic Heart is a cool little shop located in New York City, but if you can't make it to New York, you can also visit them online at myplastichart.com. Fill up that cart, and if you are living in the stateside and you spend more than $75 or more, be sure to use our promo code TOYFAM at checkout, and you will receive free shipping. Okay, so let's get this thing going. So first order of business is New York Comic Con. So New York Comic Con is actually going on as we're talking right now. By the time you're listening to this, it was probably the previous weekend. But one of the big things going on at the event was coming out of the Martian Toys booth. They were hosting a huge, massive custom show using the D-Row platform by Jermaine Rogers. It's not really, it wasn't designed to be a platform, but that's what's being used as the platform for this custom show. And I read that there's going to be a hundred different pieces from artists all over the world, 13 different countries. So the event looks awesome. I've been seeing leaks across Instagram the past month, and it seems like the artists really are bringing their A-game. So what have you guys seen so far? What have you liked? And what do you think about just the the size of this show? Uh, I've only seen ones that are on like Instagram feed that I've people i follow like i've seen people posting work in progress stuff i haven't seen any of the final pictures oh okay so if you the event's actually called falling apart so if you go on instagram and you search the hashtag falling apart nycc you'll see a bunch of them and uh i've never actually curated an event and i can't imagine what a headache this would probably be because artists are notorious for waiting on customs and doing things last minute so to have a hundred pieces seems like a massive undertaking oh yeah it's definitely silly i mean I imagine if he if he has a hundred, he must have asked one hundred and fifty because you know half the people didn't turn him in, and 
or yeah. they're showing up the day of and he's just trying to scramble to get them because artists are always late with everything. So, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm sure it was a nightmare. Now, do you think he had these platforms specially made for this event? Because I always thought that Jermaine Rogers, he was a super popular artist. Most of the stuff he does sells out really well. So I'm surprised that there would be an overstock of 100 pieces that he can then later use for customs. Or do you think they had 100 ordered? Who made this figure? Was this, a, I mean, was it maybe, wasn't that popular? I don't know who made it, honestly. But I just know Martian Toys is the one hosting the, the, um, the custom event. Yeah. I- it's a good question, Gary. I don't know. I mean, they are pretty popular. It looks like it was produced by Strange Co. in two thousand four, really? according to. Yeah, this is a this is a different one than that. I think. No, I think there's the several different incarnations of the character. And I'm not. I don't collect Jermaine Rogers, so I'm not all that familiar. But I don't think I've ever seen a blank Dero. So, what is this? Do you think is this mainly like just overstock? Maybe they had 150 pieces that weren't sold, and they decided just to make a custom show out of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely weren't recasts because I saw people like cutting them up and doing a bunch of stuff, and they looked like they were vinyls. Vinyl, yeah. Um, so well, maybe, maybe he maybe able to find like a lot of them somewhere that he was able to get at wholesale or something. Yeah, because yeah. I know some looked like they had glow in the dark eyes, where others didn't. So I'm thinking they may have varied. Oh, just a bunch of random, different overstock ones. That makes right, sense. Right. Yeah, and may, I don't know if you let artists choose or not, but it's a great way to move product. I mean, honestly, if you if you have dead stock, just have artists do customs and reskin it, and it's sure to be resellable. Then. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. I I personally would have, you know, I get it. I think that I would have thought they would have gone all in with a big show like this for something like Designer Con versus New York, but I also see why they picked New York Comic Con for something like this since it's a local show for them. So I bet it's a lot easier for them to transport all these pieces over. Yeah, totally. Uh, props to them for taking such a big show on and with big pieces. I mean, these aren't little dining. Time's up. Oh. <laughs> That's it. All right, move on. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Next topic. So we're going to stay at New York Comic Con. What we're going to talk about now is Clutter. Anyone who's not familiar with Clutter, Clutter is a, a popular and prominent brand within our scene. They run Clutter Magazine, Clutter Gallery. They um, they host the Designer Toy Awards and Five Points Festival. And they produce and manufacture toys. So usually they've always done New York Comic Con every single year. I think they've done it since the beginning. But this year they decided to forego doing New York Comic Con. And what they're going to do instead is they're going to host a Five Points Fest Fall outside of New York Comic Con. It's going to be like a two-day pop-up event, Friday and Saturday, from 1 p.m. until 11 p.m. They're going to have exclusive releases and artist signings and um, at night, a little after party after New York Comic Con. We're going to have live painting and beer and all that sort of fun stuff. So what do you guys think about this? Clutter for the first time deciding not to do New York Comic Con and then hosting a pop-up event the weekend of outside of Comic Con. Uh when I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. This is weird. Like, but then I, after I kind of thought about it some more, I realized that, I mean, it kind of makes sense. You think about San Diego comic-con and I hear a lot about pop-ups that are set up around there. So it's kind of the same concept, right? Of a pop-up around New York comic-con. So I don't know. It's an interesting concept. I don't think I'd see a lot of people going into town just to go attend this clutter event. I see it being more for locals or maybe people who already were going to New York Comic Con. And so they're thinking, oh, I'll go hit up the show. And then if I need a break or afterwards, I can go stop by and check out this clutter event. So 
I don't know. I think it's a cool idea. I'm curious to hear feedback on how it went. But I did see, since it's going on now, um, I did see a few photos from the event going on tonight. And it definitely seems like they've got a good turnout. So people seem to be into it. George? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's why spend, you know, why give New York Comic Con four grand or five grand or whatever it's going to be to be there when you could just spend that money and be your own thing. I agree. It's kind of nice to have an after party too, though. Like we also mentioned that, you know, they're not doing the DTA event during the weekend anymore. So this is something that people or collectors from our scene will now have something to do after the Comic-Con. Because usually there isn't. Usually everyone just kind of parts ways and does their own thing. But now they'll have something to go to. I know Tara McPherson and Jason Freeney and some other people are doing signings there. And they're having some exclusive drops at the event and stuff. So I think this is cool. Yeah, definitely agree. It's good that they have some part of it after the show so that people who still want to go walk around New York Comic Con aren't going to miss the pop up. And there's free beer. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I did, <laughs> I did feel bad for them because George and all the initial promotions, the, they all said free beer, free beer. And everyone's like, sweet. And that was a boo boo. <laughs> oh, no, really? Yeah. Where's Lagunitas or whoever that always is, the sponsor? It is It is sponsored by Lagunitas. It is, but it's not free. It's not free. <laughs> All right. See, we don't even need three minutes back. We don't even need. Let's move on. Where, how far did we get? What was it we at? Had, we had about uh, 30 seconds remaining. Okay. We'll save those. <laughs> like, like rollover seconds? <laughs> okay so let's move on then so the next one actually this is a rumor so i don't know if it's true or not but it, it was interesting i thought maybe we could talk about it real quick so over on facebook i read on the kid robot buy sell trade forums and you know actually i'm not even sure if i read it on that one so another rumor there's two by kid robot buy sell trade groups and i'm so confused by this because one i think the main one is the kid robot buy sell trade and i feel like that one's the big one that's been around for a while, but I think there's a newer one that's Kid Robot buy, trade, sell. Like they're too similar. I'm confused. Do you know which one's which, Teresa? Yes, and one is legit and one is not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have actually no idea. The Kid Robot buy, sell, trade is much larger. There's like 5,000 plus people. It's gotten really, really big, and it's become, I think, a replacement for the forums, really, or that was the initial idea. But I think as Kid Robot's gotten into a lot of the licensing stuff, a lot of people have joined the group for that. So it's a very weird split. You've got the designer toy scene people who are like talking and promoting those things. And then this whole other group of people who are there to swap like SpongeBob and Simpsons things. So it's very, very weird. But I'm not in the other kid robot group. I'm not sure what that. Okay, so I really don't know which one I saw it on. So I, I can't credit whichever one this rumor came from. But basically the rumor was saying that starting in November – Kid Robot is no longer going to allow retailers to do pre-order. So we're not going to be able to pre-order any Kid Robot product six, nine months in advance anymore. I think there's probably be more surprise drops and stuff like that. So I think this is interesting. This is something that we've mentioned several times that we would actually like to see. So what do you guys think about this possible rumor being coming into reality? Do you like the idea of Kid Robot no longer doing pre-orders anymore with retailers? Why? What would be the benefit? Or see, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing, George, because at least with the way that it's set up right now, there are pre-orders that start months months in advance, and and I think you're seeing a piece, and 
you know you have time to think on it. It may be a vector rendering still, so you're mm-hmm. kind of not even sure what it's going to look like. But I feel like it just sits out there. Like it releases this photo, and by the time it actually comes out, I feel like it's almost old news. Like you've done such an early reveal, this thing comes out, and you're like, ah, I've seen pictures of that and heard about that for months. I agree. And I think it loses that excitement. Whereas if you stop pre-orders and they just start releasing stuff, like, okay, here you go, we did a drop. Suddenly, I think that hype is going to be back. It's going to be like, oh, whoa, where'd that come from? What is that piece? And I think it'll, I don't know, I feel like it's going to build excitement again. Yeah, no, I think we'll definitely see that too. I think we'll see more hype behind products and, and whatnot. But I think probably the biggest change we're going to see is probably just from the retailers. I think by removing the, the pre-order thing, it kind of helps it being more even playing field for them all. Yep. However, because, you know, right now it seems like there's a few of them kind of battling to be the first to, to you know, get the pre-orders. And I think that's one reason where sometimes uh, Kid Robot product is, has an early reveal before Kid Robot even wants to, you know, to release it. Because sometimes people are getting a hold of wholesale images and it ends up on a blog or a, or a retailer does it too soon. And then, you know, so I think that'll curb the early reveals and that'll help Kid Robot out. But as far as retailers go... It's going to be different because right now they're they're able to rely on the pre-orders to know how much to order. It's going to be like plus they're not using their own money; they're using the customer money to order the kid robot inventory. So in that regard, it's going to be different for the retailers. Now they're going to have to try to pre-guess what's going to be popular, the quantity amount, and that sort of stuff. So that's going to it's going to be interesting. It's a good point. You know, I didn't even think about that—the fact that the pre-order system allows them to really just buy the people are interested in right so like 20 people pre-order okay maybe i'll buy 25 that's it whereas instead they're going back into the world of question marks where they're like i have to kind of judge the scene do i think this is going to be really hot or not and make a judgment call that's a good point i didn't even think about that yeah because i think i don't i don't know for sure just i'm just throwing out numbers but i would think to a retailer right now that killer what product maybe makes up 20 percent of their sales so if they had that money up front from clients that was 20 percent of money they could put towards imports and other things you know yeah that's interesting yeah i, I don't know I, I think it's a good thing i'm ex- I, i'd like to see more hype because I, I mean we were even talking about super plastic and some of that hype even dying down just because we got really into the kickstarter and now we're just kind of sitting Aww. Time's up. You want to use your t- extra time and talk about your super plastic? I'll take those 30 seconds. Oh, <laughs> what if I end up cutting that out? It's That's... okay. I mean, it's fine. It's just uh, b- basically I-, I think hype is good. Yeah. Not so early. Well, let's do this then. So we'll, we'll just continue the conversation in a different way. We'll segue into the surprise drop thing with uh, Kid Robot last weekend doing the surprise drops of the two Jesse Hernandez dunnies being released at Foot Locker of all places. So that was a bit of a surprise. But, so those are two surprise drops. We didn't know about these dunnies beforehand. They're currently being sold at footlocker.com and, or you go to your local mall and pick them up there. But uh, two five-inch dunnies designed by Jesse. They look fantastic. And they're being released during the month of October to help celebrate the Hispanic Heritage Month. But um, they look great. But one of the things I noticed is one of the two Dunnies is very, very detailed. And I know last week we were talking about in the mini show that the Super Plastic had postponed two of the janky designs from Dolly Oblong and Jason Lamone because they were just proven very challenging to produce. But George, now having seen this Jesse Hernandez Dunny design, do you think that maybe Jason Lamone's design is more producible having seen this we should be talking more about Foot Locker. why <laughs> yeah why is it 
Locker. Yeah, I, okay, so I really don't know, but I know I went to footlocker.com. I just wanted to see if they were selling them online, the dunnies the online. And much to my surprise, there's a category at Foot Locker now called Pop. Pop. Yeah, not, not like Funko Pops, but it's a new category where they're selling a lot of Kid Robot product, all their licensed stuff, but a lot of other pop culture-related items from a lot of other companies, too. So it's I don't know if this is new. I think it is new to Pop, you know, Foot Locker. I'm not a Foot Locker guy, so I don't know, but I think this is new as of maybe this month, maybe. But this is uh, interesting. But, yeah, they're selling the, the, the Dunnies there under the Pop by Foot Locker category and uh as far as why footlocker i think what it is is you know a lot of shoe collectors also tend to kind of dabble in designer toy collecting as well so i think there's that cross pollination so in a weird sort of way this does kind of make sense yeah i mean definitely yeah the shoe guys do collect toys so i mean it makes sense it's just weird like you'd think you'd get a guy who's like a street artist not like a jesse hernandez who's like a culture artist more i don't know i guess he's a street artist. but he is a street artist he does he's a lot a street artist. Yeah. hey gary where so i went to footlocker.com i must i must be on the wrong site is there a separate site for the toys please hold okay so i paused it so we didn't eat up any of our time but i just sent you guys a link to the pop by footlocker huh. intern Oh, yeah, it, South Park stuff and Care Bears. Care Bears and Foot Locker. I feel old. I have not been in a Foot Locker in like 30 years. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't think I've ever shopped at Foot Locker. When I first heard it, I was like, what? That is so weird. I, but, you know, maybe that cross-pollination of the shoe collectors and toy collectors cross-market kind of makes sense. It's still kind of weird to me, though. It just seems... It just seems weird, but um, I love the surprise drop idea, as we were talking about. It makes it more fun. I'd like to see more of it, and I love that the designs are super detailed. I think it means, like I said, they should have made Lamone happen, but um, uh, hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for seeing Kid Robot produce some cool stuff, especially really detailed, and it looks like they're decent quality. Um, I know there's been a lot of back and forth conversations i hear a lot about kid robot and quality and and mixed opinions there so it's good to see them create pieces that look really detailed and match the artist and yeah there's so much detail on this one on, like especially on that one jaguar one holy cow that face is complex time's up do you want to keep talking george nope go for it <laughs> Abide by the buzzer. God, this is, this is even harder this episode. Man, okay. Well, that was kind of, there was like several questions within that one. You know, it was Foot Locker on top of surprise releases and on top of the detail. So that was a, that was a tricky one. Yeah, so she should have given us nine minutes, Gary. No, <laughs> nobody wants to hear us talk on that for nine minutes, though. That's the problem. But real quick, I do want to use my time extension because George, I'm curious what you'll say in one or two minutes. Can you, what do you think now that you've seen the Jesse Hernandez cosmic Jaguar Dunny, do you think that Jason Lamone's three inch janky is a little more achievable after seeing that amount of detail coming out of that Dunny? No, I still think that janky is, is the way it was shown in the Kickstarter do, it does not look like it would be able to be reproduced in that in that style. Like it just 
you'd have to tone it down. You'd have to toy it out. Jesse's figure is very uh, illustrator friendly. Jason Lamone is very painterly. And it's a very different style and a very different translation in style uh, form. So, no, I don't. I still don't think it would work as well. Really? Now, is it because we're still talking about a three-inch janky figure, George, a minifigure versus the five-inch dunny? Oh, yeah, no. It, it's definitely like uh, if you scale that figure up, sure, you, there's, you know, there's ways you'd be able to do it. And it'll, you know, it, it'll still, it'll, I, I still don't think that the way it was shown it still doesn't look like it's going to be easy to produce, even if it was large. But there's ways to, you know, fix it to make it work. But that small, that complex, no. Okay. So is it, George, is it the piece is still like I'm looking at again and it's got the P and the A and the R to spell out particle? Is it because it's like there's the shadows around the P with the white highlights and the blue highlights and having to align? Is it just the alignment of all those yeah, different just, colors? There's just so much. There's so many layers to it that it's just – and like I'm saying, that's what I'm saying about this Jesse piece. There's a lot of layers on that, and it lines up really nicely in these images they've shown. So it looks like they're trying harder things. That's nice. Yeah, but if Kid Robot can do it, Super Plastic could too. It's the same concept, right? They're just overlaying all the but layers. But it, it's even more detailed is what George is saying. Yeah, there's something about that Jason the Moon piece that it's just, and I don't know, maybe it was just in my head that it was like that. I'd have to go look it up again. But uh, there's something on it that wouldn't that I remember looking at saying, no way was that thing going to work. All right. <laughs> no, but Teresa, really, there, I mean, there is a big difference. I, the, Jason Lamone with all the different little loops, unfortunately, like the way the pad print is, is it that, like, the, the, is it that lacy look? Yeah, around, it's, it's like, the lacy with the the rim lighting and the drop shadow. It's just so ornate. There's just so much detail there. It would just, it'd be so hard to do. And so many complex I, curves and like angles, that cheek that sticks out with the hair on the on the janky, like, to go around that with the curves of the lace and like, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot to do. Yeah. I guess I just, I don't want to give up on it because I like it so much. Well, they're not giving up on it though either. <laughs> they, they mentioned they're just going to postpone those two designs because they didn't want to hold up the release of the Series 1 Janky. So we'll probably still see it at some point. Is it a later series or maybe they'll have to upscale it to get the detail. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope, it, I hope they nail it and get it awesome because I want that one. That was the one that made me want to buy the line. Right. So, okay. We're we're not we're being bad. We are. We are. Back so, on. Let's get back. Yeah, back, back on, on track, and we'll abide by the buzzer, as George would say. So the next question comes from a listener on the stomping ground, and this one is: Do you ever research the idea or concept behind toys if it crosses cultural bounds? And I imagine what they're trying to get at is if it. Um, do you understand the context of what the design is coming from, whether it's coming from a, a cultural or heritage standpoint or if it has some mythology behind it? Do you research what the meaning behind the toy is before you make the purchase or you just buy it because you think it's cool? I, I'm trying to think through my collection, Gary. I, I am not one who probably researches anything regarding a toy that I collect. For all I know, I've bought something, and there's okay. So let's think about Teresa Chiba's and her new hair gone, or maybe some of the stuff that I've bought from overseas. There's possibly some folklore and history and cultural stuff that may have inspired those pieces, mm -hmm. but I've never really—I don't want to say I've never cared because it sounds bad—but like I just like the piece for the piece, right? Yeah. You or 
the design or like the color or what have you. And I'm like, I like that. I want that. And most of the time I probably don't realize there might be more to it, like a, a folklore thing that it's based off of or something existing in a culture that they use as inspiration. I, I'm probably really, really bad at that. I, I don't really look into or probably understand if there's any significance behind certain things I collect. Okay. What about you, George? Does it matter to you? Um, no, it definitely doesn't matter. I've definitely, I'm kind of in the same camp that Teresa just said. It's just, I've, I've definitely bought things that I have ended up looking, looking them up. Not really like, not because like I was interested in, and that's the only reason I'm going to buy it. Like I buy things that I like, it doesn't matter what their background is to me. Um, but there's like pieces from Japan specifically that I've bought that I've later looked into the things that they were like, there's that one. It's by some of the dudes that come from Japan uh, that are in the like in the Glios area at Decon, like next to Real Head and those guys, and they sell this like bear with these giant balls. Like, oh, giant balls. T- Tanuki! And I love that bear. I ended yeah, up looking awesome. that guy up one time. <laughs> you know, I, bu- I actually bought Wait, one of those. Balls that- yeah, no. So yeah, it's it's like a bear type character that has a gigantic scroll sack. It's like a magic scroll sack. He's actually a shapeshifter. <laughs> Sometimes he's depicted actually like using it as a parachute and all sorts of crazy stuff. So yeah, I actually bought one of those at New York Comic Con one year and this is probably like six years ago. I saw it at the Lulu Bell booth and I, I instantly fell in love with it. Little green and pink character and I picked it up and I didn't realize until I got home that it actually had this ginormous scrotal sack. Crazy. You're I'm the same. I'm in, I'm in the exact same I didn't even notice it when I bought it. Yeah. No. That's, <laughs> no. that's not... No, you're joking. No, that's it's, really it's true. Surreal. There's a folklore about a bear with giant balls that are magic. Yeah, look up Tanuki. T-A-N-U-K-I. And it's not a bear. It's actually like a raccoon dog type fox thing. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh! Is it a toy? <laughs> oh, not to change subjects, but this kind of triggered a, something I remember seeing on Vinyl Pulse during, the, I think it was BTS, but there was an image of several Kachina-styled vinyl toys they look like kachina dolls you know native american kachina dolls and they were actually really cool i don't remember who the artist was or the company but i remember looking at the comments and there were people in the comments saying that they weren't sure if they should be offended by this and honestly if you're not sure you should be offended don't be offended but i remember going through the comments and people were wondering if this is misappropriation or is it going to have negative connotations on the native american community and stuff like that so it kind of got me thinking like it doesn't bother me but could someone that's not really ingrained in someone else's culture, like the same like myself, you know, American, like what if I just started doing Thai deities or the Indian culture or Japanese folklore? Would that offend somebody? Well, I mean, Scott made a, a what's that guy's name? The that turtle Kappa? thing, the Kappa, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I love that. I, I'm not offended by that at all. And I know a lot of artists do Kappas and Japanese dragons oh, I, and that sort of stuff. So I'm kind of curious, like. Do some people dislike it when others that maybe aren't knowledgeable in a culture do things just because it's cool design or character? I don't know. I never, I never even thought about it. But... I think we actually went over on that one. That's because we were all looking up Tanuki. Tanuki. <laughs> I can't even Tanuki believe balls. that that's a real thing. Oh, Teresa, the toys are awesome. They'll have them again this year at, at Decon. I know they always bring one, so it's like I'm, I'll show it to you when we're there. I just cannot believe that that's like a real thing. It's the greatest thing. <laughs> like some of the pictures. So like there's this like. 
There's a YouTube video. I'll have to watch that later. <laughs> like, so there's like the cartoony versions, right, of this character. But then there's this like more artistic-y folklore type drawing. And like they they went a little more realistic and made them hairy. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I bought the toy, I did a lot more research on it. Once I realized what he had downstairs, I wanted to know what this thing was. And I learned a lot about it. Actually, he's um, he started out as a Chinese folklore character. He's actually he's more of like an evil yokai type thing. He represented misfortune and that sort of stuff. But then I guess Japanese folklore took over and now he represents more merriment and having a good time. I know a lot of Japanese business establishment will use them as mascots or in their advertising to let people know, come on in, have a good time. And But I have the toy here that I bought near Comic-Con. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you guys. I have the same one. I think that's the same one I have. It is it is real head, I guess. Okay. But that's the same sculpt, so yeah. Okay. One. You know, I'm looking at it now, and I, now I realize why I didn't know it was a ball sack when I bought it, because it kind of looks like just like he's sitting on a giant apple, like a jug or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, All right. Well, interesting, interesting backstory on that one. That one's yeah, fun. Learn something new every day. I, I didn't even know. I'm actually surprised more artists aren't doing this character. I, I love that thing. <laughs> okay, uh, next question. Have you ever stopped collecting a series or artist and why? Who wants to go first? Uh, I can go first. Yes, um, I have stopped collecting certain series or artists. Why? Um, I think it kind of varies. So I think more often than not for me, it's more, I think it's kind of two things. One, it could be that sometimes I just feel like I have enough, like I'm content. So for example, obviously one of the things I've been collecting really hardcore this year is the Zeke dinos from Unbox. So the regular dinosaurs or the ice cream dinos. So I got really hardcore into collecting them, hunting them down. So that was like a really big focus for me. And I think I get to a point where as they release more and more colorways, because I already own so many, I'm like, I feel content. I have enough. I'm happy and satisfied what I own. So I kind of stop hunting. Um, that's kind of one way for me. And then I think the other thing is either the execution or quality has changed or I've just kind of moved on and my tastes have changed. So like I used to collect a lot of blind boxes, like little mini labbits from Kid Robot. And I only need so many and it gets to the point where they kind of start feeling the same. I don't have a desire to collect them anymore. Or like the Travis Kane BFF series. I got so into series one. Like I, I can't tell you how many duplicates I got because I kept hunting to try to complete that series. Loved it. And so I was so excited when I heard that they were going to start making more. But once they finally revealed those series, they just didn't do it for me. I don't know why, but the designs just weren't speaking to me. So I ended up not getting them. So I... But I also think the more you collect and the longer you're in the scene, you also become a lot more selective. So you feel like, okay, I don't need everything or I shouldn't buy everything I like because you already have so much in your house. So, yeah, I don't know. Long-winded answer. You all go. <laughs> Time. That's it. <laughs> no. That's it. Time's up. Can you at least just say <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> Right, if anyone wants to use their extra minute, I can talk on it. But otherwise, we got to move on. I'll give you my minute, Gary. I feel bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so go. What about you? Gary? That's a tricky. That's a tough question because yeah, there's definitely 
artists and companies that have said and done things, or maybe I don't agree with their viewpoints, but you have to learn how to separate the personal from the object. And I, I've been really good at trying to do that. But yeah, there are some people that have rubbed me the wrong way where I don't necessarily want to support them to my fullest anymore. But prior to whatever that the negative experience was, I did collect them and I do still have their stuff on my shelves. And unfortunately, I still like the, the toys and the objects they design. But now when I look at my collection, yeah, it still brings out a little bit of that nativity or it triggers a little bit of the irk in me when I see it. But I still like the object, so I still want to possess it. I still want to own it. So no, I, I never stopped collecting any one person or, or company, you know, outright. But in, I would never share who these people or companies are because that's my experience. That's my own viewpoint. I wouldn't want that to view, you know, that taint anyone else's experiences. But I mean, when it comes to series, Gary, I feel like yes, because you just stopped collecting in general. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's all financial, though, because I'm a family man now. Like, my kids and yeah. my family are my priority, vacations, retirement. So toys yeah. are pretty far down on the priority list. So my toy budget is not what it used to be. So, yeah, I've definitely slowed down toy purchasing, but I still love toys. I gotcha. George, do you want to feed anything in real quick? Uh, I could agree with all that. I, I definitely am the same. I don't think I've kicked anybody off my shelves, but I've definitely stopped – buying certain artists but not not really for any reason other than like i just got bored with the style or i changed my you know changed my interests over time like i used to like ashley wood stuff a lot but i kind of pared that down i don't really buy that stuff anymore yeah i think sometimes we just need fresh stuff and you evolve yeah. like everyone evolves as a collector you start with one thing shoot there is stuff that i think you all would laugh that i have in boxes you're like why do you have that and i like <laughs> yes when you were on the the waffle groups and you're selling like old stuff i can't believe how much stuff that i was shocked I'm like why would Teresa buy that that's not really a Teresa thing why did she buy that but you know maybe that's when you're starting to getting into toys and you just like anything that would designer and you just started buying anything and everything and then over time you matured and just started to narrow down your collection to really what you liked or what people say curate your collection i guess for sure. And at the time, I was trying to get my, at the time, boyfriend into toys. <laughs> oh, that'll do it. So I'd be like, hey, you, you like this? Maybe this speaks to you. So I've got, <laughs> no joke, a box of Rotobox mini cells. I don't know if you all remember those. I have like 30 of those, you all. <laughs> and I don't, like, I don't know what to do with them. So if know. anyone wants them, please let me know. <laughs> You, know, you should post a do a custom show, curate a custom show with them. But honestly, I don't know what the figure is. I have no idea what they are either. Uh, here, I'm, I'm actually near the pile, so I will take a picture and text it to you all. Okay. You guys know what time it is? It's time for the designer toy challenge. What this is is what? Our... <laughs> what? So this is actually a surprise game for you guys. This is Designer Toy Challenge. This is kind of ripped off of Cash Cab. It's a game show where they do this thing at the red lights called Red Light Challenge. So it's going to be the exact same thing. So I'm going to give you guys a minute to try to guess five, to name five things based on a question. So Teresa, I have three questions here. Pick a number between one and three. Two. Two. Three. Wait, what? That was Jess. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Jess, hi. Hello, right. Jess. <laughs> oh, hi, Gary. I love how we got a uh, surprise game. 
<laughs> Jess, are you are you are you still mad at us or are you um you like us again? I like you, Teresa. Ow. Oh, ouch. <laughs> no, I I'm, like I'm just uh I I think the last time George was on I was like really sick. I got a food allergy. Oh. So too good. Wow. But I'm ready for this game. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> All right, well George is gonna cheat. Here we go. So here this we is me. called the Designer Toy Challenge, and you have one minute to name five things. If you can answer five correctly, you win. If you don't, you lose. Here we go. Name five artists that won Artist of the Year in the D- Designer Toy Awards. Is Could it for be, me, Gary? For all of you. Just name five, five? artists that won Artist of the Year. Go. Kano. No. Scott Tolleson. Scott Tolleson, yes. Uh, Quicks? Quicks, yes. Uh, the, the, uh, the Horrible Dorbles? No. Not no? Artist of the Year. Artist of the Year. Big names. Uh, James Groman. No. Uh, goodness gracious, this is always so much harder under the uh, people who are big. In the scene. Jason Freeney. No. Sket One? No. Big names. Jermaine Rogers. Ron English. Ron English, yes. How many is that? Three. 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 Ron English, Quicks, and whatever the other. And Scott Thompson. Scott. Did Scott win it twice? Scott won once. Oh, shoot, two more. Five seconds. That's it. You guys lose. Oh, what was that? That's the new buzzer. No, that's a horrible buzzer. Chris Riding. <laughs> no, here, here's the answers. 2011, Ashley Wood. 2012, Chalskowski. 2013, Kozik. 2014, Skinner. 2015, Scott Tolleson won panel. Huck won fan. 2016, Ron English won panel. Course won fan. 2017, John Paul Kaiser won panel, and Juan Munoz won fan. And 2018, Chino Lamb won panel, and Quicks won fan. Well, at least I got two. Quicks and Ron English, man. All right, let's see. I'm going to try you guys again. Wait, I have a question. Do you think that Ashley Wood cared that he won a designer toy award? (laughs) Probably not. Do you think he knows he won? Do you? Do you think he, yeah, do you think he even knew he won? I'm sure he knew he won, but does he care? Probably not. I feel like there's several people that have won the award that are honestly oblivious to it. You can probably care less about it. You think it's the award that goes in the bathroom? Like, oh yeah, that's just some weird designer toy award. Do you think San Diego Comic-Con ever picked up their award? Oh my God, I completely forgot about that best event, best show, best event. But I'm sure there's other people who don't care. Ashley Woods, I know Amanda Vizel didn't care to win one. Uh, Cause he won one. Uh, Takashi Murakami, they're probably oblivious to it. Cause? Why would Cause even want? Like, don't don't put him in the category. Yeah. He doesn't care. All right, so let's do this again. Another designer toy challenge. You got one minute. Name five breakthrough artists at the designer toy awards. Go. Yes. Sad salesman. Yes. Scott Tolleson. No. George said Horrible Adorables. We got two of them, yep. Horrible Adorables and Sad Salesman. Three more. Um, Dolly, what's that uh, that guy that, or the, uh, 
I, I could see the art, but I can't think of the name. Fuji. No. No. George, no. <laughs> no. you have it. So insane. Oh, Ashley Wood. No. No. Jess, you're messing with my brain. 30 seconds. <laughs> Wait, oh, Cods. No. Artists that are up and coming. Uh, Jesus. What's that one that they sculpt all the cool things? I can't think of the... The bots? No. They sculpt like really like full Ten tail. seconds. Oh. oh, that's a good description, George. You guys got three to go. <laughs> uh, Chris Ranier. Minnelli Spade. Nope. Nope. Andrew Go. Oh. He's not up Jimmy Kenzie. No, 2011, Jason Freeney. 2012, Lamore Supreme. 2013, Double Parlor. 2014. That was the name I was trying to think of. Okay. 2014, Retro Band. 2015, 12 Dot. 16 was Horrible Adorables. 17 was Candy Bolton. And 18 was Sad Salesman. All right, let's try one more. And this will be the last one. I'm going to win this time. At the Designer Toy Awards. Name five toys that won the elusive Toy of the Year award. And this is not including fan vote. This is strictly oh. panel vote. Go. Uh, panel Play of the Year. James Grumman's King Corpse. Yes. Uh, did your... Oh, wait. That's a custom. Your... Scott Tolleson. No. For at least all of his things. No. Oh, wait. Need... Didn't um, Nino Bunny win something? What's his name? Juan Munez. Nope. Uh, that sushi fish? No. <laughs> the chino lamb fish? No. Oh. I know King Corp. Some sort of dunny. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Toy of the year. This is ter. I feel terrible. I should be shunned from the scene. Jimmy Kenzie. Panel toy of the year. 15 seconds. King you Corp. got one so far. What one this year? That ball thing, that weird that, ball with a weird face. That might have been fan voted, but not panel. Okay. This game. This we're would, failing would, at your game. That's because we don't like. We don't participate <laughs> in these awards. Like we don't. Like... Oh, kill cat. That's why it's a game. Yes, 2018, Kill Cat by Andrew Bell. Oh. 2011, The Dissected Companion by Cause. 2012, Lilitu by Tara McPherson and Kid Robot. 2013, Pierced by Para and Kid Robot. 2014, Les Dardes by Macbeth and Kid Robot. 2015, The Last Night by Andrew Bell. 2016, Abominable Snowcone by Jason Lamone and Martian Toys. 2017, you guys got correct, King Corpse by James Grohman and Instinct Toys. And then you guys just mentioned Kill Cat by Andrew Bell. Okay. Sorry, Gary. You threw that. I didn't know you even had a game plan, and then we kind of sucked at it. Not my fault. You guys sucked. Oh, well, put yourself in our shoes. If we had flipped <laughs> that around, I don't think you would have done very well either. I think I wouldn't have done good at the the artist of the year, but I think I could have gotten breakthrough. My vote is that the game sucked, not us. Hey, you did a similar <laughs> game just like this. So shut it. <laughs> All right, Teresa, do we have any other topics? Uh, let's see. Uh, you want to talk about Toy Shelf Life? Or did you not like that one? Uh, sure, phrase the question and I'll get the timer set up. Uh, so 
uh, when we were talking to, and you actually weren't on this one, George, but when we were talking to Dan from Unbox, he was talking about shelf life of toys and how with so many products constantly releasing that he feels like it's that there's a best chance of it selling in a pretty short window. You know, we know that things could trickle and sell over time, but we are thinking what we think is the average time window for a sale to be successful. You know, is it a week or a month or like how long can something be out and still be in stock and considered still purchasable? <laughs> I don't know. This is terrible. I'm terrible at this, Gary. Why are you making me do this? <laughs> it's actually not a bad question. It's just phrased strangely, but. You I think what, you're trying, what you're trying to say is how does a toy stay hot if it sits on a shelf for too long and it doesn't sell out immediately in a store? Yes. Um, I think that it's very hard to sell something past the first week it's out. If it's if it like the first week, anyone that wants it got it. You might sell one here or there as it sits there or as like a new person comes to the scene and comes to your store or. But they're not going to find it online. You have to have a, a store. You know, you probably have to have a, a retail shop for that to happen. Like after the first week, people have talked about it in our little scene. People have blogged about it in our little scene. Anybody that wants it has seen the blog post, has seen the pictures. They're going to get it or they're not. By their next paycheck, if they don't buy it, they don't want it. Yep. I kind of feel the same way to me, the hype. And honestly, for me as a collector, I feel like the hype is typically biggest on release day. And I think it depends upon how it drops, though. Sometimes there's obviously planned releases, and I feel like that really builds up hype sometimes. But also surprise drops can also build up a lot of hype and a lot of that, like, oh, God, I got to go buy it. But I don't know. I feel like I either see polar opposites. I either see stuff sell out, like, super quick, 30 seconds or less, gone. And, or there's sometimes, you know, like, that day, but most of the time, if it doesn't sell quickly, to your point, George, it just kind of sits. Like, it's just there and in stock. And, that, and that's unfortunate because then people think that it's a failed toy or whatever or a failed piece. Right. But it's like some of the best things sometimes take the longest to sell out. That just means they either made a lot more of them than there were people at the time wanting it. I don't know. I, I don't think that that's a sign of a failure of a toy at all. Um, I, we were talking about this, with Nick um, Aliota when he was on, like, if something doesn't instantly sell out, does that kind of affect you as wanting to buy it a few days later? If you still see if it's available? And they both said yes. So, yeah, if something doesn't instantly sell out, it does seem to kind of hurt its chances of selling. It's unfortunate, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't the case. There is something to the hype behind something. There's something to it being desirable. I don't know... It shouldn't be, but I won't lie that it's there. It's that excitement I mean, of thinking that you got something right. that so many other people it, were it, wanting to. It's well, there's very times where yeah, you guys have been right. talking about something that you're like, oh, this thing came out. It's already sold out online. It's already sold out here. Or like Kid Robot sold out the first day it was up. And then I go over to 3D Retro and he's got a pile of them. It's like, <laughs> yeah. This thing isn't sold out. It's just sold out on Kid Robot's site to make right. it look like they're sold out. Like... It's not pulled out, but it does. It, it makes you think that it's going to be I'm talking on it. But yeah, it definitely it makes you think that it shouldn't. Because if it's still in the store, you'd be like, ah, I'll get one next week. I got something else to buy this week. And then you keep going back and then you keep going back and you're like, ah, I'll get it next week. I'll get it next week. And then you eventually just don't even bother buying it. 
Yeah, no, it sounds like very much like what I did with doing conventions for the first time. Like my first time I did, I put all my stock out on the table, make a huge tower of toys. And I realized like all that does is tell people that you have plenty of stock. They can wait till Sunday or pick it up at another time. It doesn't create that hype of, oh, if I don't pick it up now, I'm, I'm going to miss out. So yeah, put all your stock underneath the table and just put one or two pieces out on top of the table. That's the way to do it. Yep. You know what I love? We... <laughs> We're completely ignoring the buzzer this episode. Yeah, we're sucking this time. I kind of <laughs> liked it when we just ended it and moved on. I know. I just kind of we just I just love it. We're like, eh, screw that buzzer, and we're gonna Greg keep will be happy. <laughs> What'd you say, George? Make Greg edit it. <laughs> <sighs> well, Gary, do we do we stop then? Yeah, we're an hour in, right? We should be done. I I I think the one thing about these minisodes and the way we do it is that normally we try to like, you know, like transition it out, right? Like wrap it up, kind of transition out with the topic and be like, all right. I feel like with this, we're just like, okay, we're done. I feel like overall, this was a terrible episode. <laughs> Maybe it'll sound better in, in post and I'll actually like it, but I don't know. This one felt off to me. Maybe it's these are we... supposed to be like little chunks of nothing, though. Like that's what this <laughs> that's what the off week is supposed to be. Chunks of nothing. That's going to be our title for this week. But yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up, George. I'm sure it's Friday night. You probably want to spend some time with your wife. So you want to do that? Yes. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> we, wrap this up. We... <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's do the quick wrap up. So let's wrap this up, guys. Why don't you each take a brief moment and let our listeners know where you can find you. Teresa, go first. Uh, yeah, sure. If you all want to find me, check me out on Instagram. My username is tmhawk24. George. I'm also on Instagram, at Double G Toys, and I also have at DXGXPins at this point. And I'm starting a new Instagram where I'm going to show off the pins I help people make, and if anyone's looking to make pins and they don't know how to do it, you can contact me and I'll help you make pins. I'm not paying for it, but you can. I'll help you, uh, you know, get them made in China. Oh, very cool. DXGX pins? Yep. All righty. Okay. I will follow you. Thank you. I am Gary Ham. You can follow me on Instagram as Gary Ham or superham.com. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We try to do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye.